Volume Two, Chapter Four of the Life and Amours of the Beautiful, Gay, and Dashing Kate Percival, the Belle of the Delaware. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Amours of Kate Percival, written by herself. Volume Two, Chapter Four My Father's Lawyer. When I arrived home I busied myself putting my father's papers in order, and was so absorbed by the occupation that not even an amorous thought entered my head. This took me a whole week, and I had only just finished when Mr. Ralph Pittman was announced. I received him very cordially, and treated him so freely that he soon felt quite at home. He had been there but two days when we so far understood each other that he ventured to kiss me. I made no resistance. From his manner of kissing I saw that he was of an excessively amorous temperament, and the fact that I had been ten days without indulgence in sexual pleasure made me very desirous of tasting his capabilities in the school of Venus. The next day I entered the library rather suddenly, and found my friend deeply engaged in a book. When he saw me he hastily endeavoured to conceal the volume. "'What are you reading, Mr. Pittman?' I asked. "'Something that I cannot show you, Miss Percival,' he replied. "'Nonsense,' I returned. "'You need not be afraid. I can look at anything.' "'You will not be angry or offended if I show you this book?' "'Certainly not. I wish to see it, and rest assured that whatever it may contain will neither offend me nor shock me.' "'Then take it, and judge for yourself,' he answered after a moment's pause, at the same time giving me a burning kiss which sent a thrill through me. I opened the book, and found it to be one of a most lascivious character, filled with amorous pictures. I gloated over these engravings and felt my blood all on fire. The engravings were from steel plates and represented the famous thirty-two positions of Aretino. As they were extremely curious I will give a short description of them to the reader. Their titles were in French and consisted of as follows. First, La Pâte des Bouts represented a man and woman standing face to face, with his instrument plunged deeply in her coral cavity. Second, la grue, the same position but with one of the legs raised in the air. Third, la porte de devant, represented a woman seated with a man standing between her thighs, her lustful crevice completely filled by his instrument, while her legs closely embraced his ribs. Fourth, le cheval fondu, represented a girl on her hands and knees, while a man was embracing her from behind, her head being reclined forward and her bottom elevated. Fifth, l'Allemande, the same position, with the addition that the man has his hands on her con. Sixth, la brebis, the same position, with the woman resting her hands on the ground. Seventh, fer des chandelles de suif, the girl seated across the thighs of the man. Eight, à l'arbre, the same position but with the girl's legs raised and with her feet placed against the man's buttocks. Ninth, l'enfant qui dort, the girl leaning against the man's stomach, her shoulders against his right arm, and her two legs resting on his right thigh. Tenth, l'entendu, the girl lying down on her back and the man standing between her thighs, embracing her in front, in which position he can see his instrument working in her con. Eleventh, au dos pressé, a girl seated on a man's thighs with her legs wrapped around his loins. Twelfth, Cornuse, the same position, where a man rests one of the girl's thighs on his arm and presses the other down against his buttock. Thirteenth, Cessoir au col, 
the same position when he raises one leg in the air. Fourteenth Schossbott, a man taking the two lips of the girl's con and drawing them on his penis. Fifteenth Corille la Bague, a man running towards a girl with thighs extended to receive him, and in this manner inserting his instrument into her con. Sixteenth à la plaine, the woman extended all her length on her back, with the man lying between her extended thighs. Seventeenth à la grande the same position with the woman resting her feet on his heels. Eighteenth la Jeannette, the man lying all his length on the top of a woman. Nineteenth à l'andronette, when the girl stoops forward and the man embraces her in a standing posture from behind. Twentieth au profil, a girl and her companion lying on their sides. Twenty-first, à la botte-badine, the man with one of his legs resting on the woman's flank. Twenty-second, derrière en con, a woman lying with her back to a man with one of her legs raised in the air. Twenty-third, riche en fleuve, the man lying across a woman belly to belly. Twenty-fourth, chevauché l'âne, the woman lying on the top of a man with his instrument in her con. Twenty-fifth, à la galère, the same position with her side turned to the man. Twenty-sixth, chevauché en baste, the woman lying across him. Twenty-seventh, à la moresque, the man seated on the bed with his legs open, the woman seated in the same position, but with her thighs resting on his. Twenty-eighth, au clister, the girl with her bottom brought to the edge of the bed, separating her buttocks with her hands, and the man standing behind, embedded in the trou de son coul. Twenty-ninth, sonnet du coul, the woman seated on the edge of the bed with her feet resting against the wall, and during the act of coition she keeps raising one leg and lowering the other. Thirtieth, les jambes au col à la reveche, the woman lying on her face with her legs resting on the man's shoulders. Thirty-first, la cloche represented a man reclining on the ground, resting on his hands and feet, his belly uppermost, while the woman is seated in a basket without a bottom, so that her con comes through the open space to which was affixed a pulley, so that every time the rope was pulled it brought the woman's notch in contact with the man's penis, and the amorous combat is finished by continual pulling on the rope. Thirty-second, Branlet la pique represented a man with his finger in a girl's con, and by his touches making her discharge, while she was doing the same thing for him. In this manner they enjoyed pleasure without conjunction, either standing, sitting, or lying. When I cast my eyes on the magnificent plates, the color mounted to my face, and I involuntarily pressed my thighs closer together. "'Ah, Kate,' said Ralph, again kissing me and forcing his tongue into my mouth. I perceive you are as fond of amorous sports as I am. I am delighted to make the discovery. I can foresee some delicious pleasures together. And he pressed my palpitating bosom to his, kissing me in the same manner as before. Dear Ralph, I replied, returning his caresses by imitating his actions, and advancing my tongue to meet his. I have already been initiated in the mysteries of love, and have determined henceforth to devote my whole life to its enjoyments. Bravely spoken, Kate, returned Ralph. But come, darling, take me into your bedchamber, and we will talk the matter over. I led the way into my own private room. I had caused it to be neatly furnished, and it was replete with every luxury. A carpet soft as velvet was spread on the floor, capacious sofas soft and springy, just fitted for the performance of the conjugal act, were placed around the apartment. Immense mirrors adorned the walls, relieved by beautiful pictures. 
No light of day was permitted to enter this nest, but it was illuminated by means of brilliant gas-burners, and to crown all, a perfume of the most intoxicating description was distilled through the atmosphere. When we entered this apartment, a delicious languor stole over me, and my amorous feelings were excited to an intense degree. I threw myself into Ralph's arms, squeezing, kissing, nay, even biting him. He returned my embraces with as much ardor as my own. I placed my hand outside his trousers and felt his stiff instrument. "'Stop, darling,' said he. "'These invidious clothes are in the way. I should love to feel your hand on my naked staff. So saying he began to undress, and in a few moments he was entirely naked. It was glorious to see his manly form in a state of nature. I rushed to him, I kissed his naked body all over. He shivered in my arms, and I really believe he would have discharged had he not torn himself from my embrace. As for myself I was on fire. The contact of his firm flesh sent a thrill of joy through my system and I had to exert the greatest control to prevent myself from pouring down the elixir of love. Now, Kate, said Ralph, it is nothing but fair that you should let me see you naked. Dearest Ralph, do with me as you will. My whole body is yours. Bless you, darling. I only hope I may be able to satisfy you to your heart's content. So saying, he actually tore off my clothes and reduced me to a perfect state of nudity. He then led me to a sofa and reclined me upon it. I never saw a man so amorous and lascivious as he was. Sexual enjoyment appeared to be a perfect passion with him. When he had placed me on the sofa, he stood a few feet off that he might better observe my naked beauties. "'Great God!' he exclaimed. "'What glorious beauty! How magnificently formed your body is, dear Kate! What a delicious bust! What glorious semi-globes! how firm and hard! And then your belly, how white and smooth! What well-developed thighs, what straight legs! And above all, that masterpiece of nature, your delicious con! Open your thighs a little, dear Kate, that I may get a better view of it. There, that's it. Now I can see it perfectly. How inviting the lips look amidst that mass of black hair! How closely they fold together, showing a line of coral between them! Oh, how I long to taste the sweets of that delicious grotto! Now, dear Kate, turn on your belly, and elevate your buttocks a little. There, that's it exactly. Great heavens! The back of the picture is even more glorious than the front. What a delicious bottom! How closely the cheeks come together! He now began to kiss what he had admired. He embraced my bubbies, my belly, my bottom, and the Mount of Venus. I could stand no more, but jumping up from the sofa I rushed into his arms and exclaimed, "'Dearest Ralph, give me relief or I shall die!' He pressed me to him. My bubbies came in contact with his chest, our bellies met. The contact of the warm flesh almost drove us mad. We squirmed and wiggled in each other's arms. We hugged, kissed, and bit each other. We rolled on the floor, interlacing our thighs. His staff touched my con, the hair of our genitals intermingled. We rubbed our bubbies together. I rolled myself on the top of him and moved myself backwards and forwards. He placed a hand on each cheek of my bottom and pressed my hairy slit to his testicles. "'Great heavens!' I exclaimed. "'It is coming. Ralph, Ralph, I must spend, I must, I must—' "'Dearest Kate, I too—there, now it flows.' 
Now, now, now! A convulsive shudder ran through both our frames. We closed our eyes in the ecstasy of our sensations, and both discharged profusely, the divine liquor running from one to the other. All this had been effected without any actual conjunction. A few minutes' repose followed, and we recovered our energies. Kate, my darling, said Ralph, lie down on the sofa again. I want to manipulate your charms a little more at my ease. We were so carried away by our feelings that we discharged before we had sufficiently prolonged our pleasures. Let us be more prudent this time. Acting upon this wish, I threw myself on the sofa, and Ralph seated himself on an ottoman by my side, and commenced to excite me by his caresses. Fastening himself on the first instance on my breasts, he sucked my nipples, patted and moulded my bubbies, and tickled me under my arms. He was not satisfied with his tribute of admiration to my bust, but he straddled my chest and brought his instrument and testicles directly over my two ivory globes. He then lowered his bottom and rubbed his staff and pendants against soft cushions. Nay, more, he pressed my breasts closely together and nestled his engine between them. Great heavens, how these delicious touchings excited me! Nor was he less moved, for his buttocks actually quivered with delight. "'Kate,' said he, "'how delicious your breasts feel to my pego! I could almost fancy it was its own proper nest.' And he commenced to move his buttocks backwards and forwards. "'For heaven's sake, stop, Ralph, or I shall spend! I shall indeed!' I exclaimed. "'I can feel the crisis approaching!' "'So do I, darling. But it must not be yet.' He then dismounted, and took a seat by my side on the sofa, and began to play with my belly. He stroked it, rubbed it backwards and forwards with his hand, and tickled my navel. He then descended to my slit. There he made a full stop, and a convulsive thrill ran through his body when his hand came in contact with the bushy forest of dark auburn hair surrounding my mons veneris. He twined it in his fingers, gently pulling it, just to cause me the most pleasing titillation without giving me the slightest pain. He then invaded the sanctuary of love itself, and, gently dividing the lips of my bijou, cautiously advanced one finger into my vagina. After allowing it to rest there a few moments, he pushed it further in, until it was wholly engulfed in my glowing passage. "'Oh, Kate!' he exclaimed, moving his finger gently in and out of my slit. "'What a charming con you have! How tight it is! And only to think that I am to bury my staff in this lovely cavity!' "'Darling,' I replied, "'your lascivious touches almost take away my senses.' He withdrew his finger from my vagina, and carried it to the top of my slit, and tickled my clitoris. "'There, now. I have the little sentinel between my fingers. Heavens, how soft it is!' he said, rubbing it gently. During these manipulations on his part, I was not idle, but paid him back in his own coin. I stroked down his belly and rubbed his staff in my hand, making him squirm and wriggle again. Had anyone peeped in the door at that moment, they would have seen a delicious spectacle. Such an observer would see a naked girl and man seated together on a sofa. Our faces were close together. Ralph had one arm round my neck, his hand resting on my left shoulder. The other arm was pressed underneath my right thigh, which was elevated in the air, and the finger and thumb of that hand were buried in my con, the lips of which clasped them tightly. His left leg rested on the ground while the other was placed on the sofa, thus stretching his thighs widely apart. 
I was engaged in rubbing his stiff member up and down with my left hand, and intense pleasure was painted on our faces. It would be impossible to find such a pretty little slit as yours, said he. It is a veritable bijou. There now, my finger is wholly inserted. He continued forcing his finger to the very hilt into my vagina, so much so that it actually touched the neck of my womb. How deliciously warm it feels! And it is so tight that when I withdraw I take with it the inner lips. Now, just fancy my finger a man's pego. Now it's in, now it's out. Now it's in, now it's out. Now— For heaven's sake, stop! I don't want to spend just yet. It is too delicious, I exclaimed. He then made me get up from my recumbent posture, and placing me in a standing position, put one of my feet on a chair, while the other foot rested on the ground. By this attitude my thighs were stretched widely apart, and my con was fully exposed to view. He then seated himself again on the ottoman between my legs. His face by this means just reached my mount. He commenced to bury his visage in the hair surrounding my slit. Darling Kate, he said, I must now taste the delights of your delicious con. I have felt it, played with it, but I have not yet performed the act which is the most delicious of all to me. Do with me as you will, I replied. I experience nothing but delight from your touchings. Push your belly a little forward. There, that's right. Now I have it exactly. So saying, he deliberately separated the lips of my slit with his tongue, and worked it into the innermost recesses of my con. God, how delicious it felt! He then moved his tongue in and out, at the same time by scientific movement caressing my clitoris with his lips, giving me the most intense pleasure. I stood directly before a large mirror, and by looking into it saw a most delectable sight. There I stood in my nudity, my naked body borrowing roseate hues from the artificial light, and seated between my thighs, his face also turned towards the mirror, was the naked form of the handsome Ralph. I could see his tongue enter in and out of my coral sheath, while my breast rose and fell with the delights of my sensations. I could tell when his lips came in contact with my clitoris, not only by my sensations, but by the tremor and writhings of his thighs. His legs were widely open, and I could see reflected in the glass his glorious engine in a state of princely erection. The motion of his tongue increased. "'Darling Ralph, I'm going to spend. Harder, come, oh, come!' I could hold out no longer, but with a convulsive heaving of my whole body I emitted a profusion of the elixir vitae. "'Kate, dear Kate!' exclaimed Ralph in an excited tone. "'I must have relief.' I am in flames. I clasped him in my arms, and, pushing him to the sofa, I made him place himself on his hands and knees, by which position his buttocks were elevated high in the air. Great God, how magnificent he looked thus! His splendid buttocks shone in the gaslight. Between his thighs I could see his magnificent pego all surrounded with hair, and the two well-developed pendants. I patted his buttocks. I separated the cheeks and titillated the division between them. My fingers came in contact with Le Trou de Soncoul. I cautiously penetrated it and tickled the narrow canal, and kissed his bottom over and over again. When I had wrought him up to the highest pitch of desire, I proceeded with further operations. Open your thighs a little wider, dearest Ralph, so that I may get my head between them. 
You have given me the most ecstatic pleasure, and I am determined to do the same for you. Will that do? He answered, opening them to the widest extent. Beautifully, I returned, fixing my head in such a manner that the insides of each of his thighs rested against my cheeks. I laid on my back, and was so placed that my mouth came in direct contact with his splendid staff. In a moment I had taken his engine entirely in my mouth. I titillated the end of it with my tongue, and forced the foreskin backwards with my lips. It was too delicious. I was ready to spend again. "'Oh, how heavenly!' exclaimed Ralph. "'How beautiful, dear Kate! Titillate my anus!' I passed my hand behind him, and forced one of my fingers into the narrow way, moving it in and out, and keeping time with both my mouth and finger. I soon had the satisfaction of seeing the climax approach. He pressed his buttocks together. His muscles stiffened. "'Now I am coming! Now! Oh! Oh! Oh!' he exclaimed, and with a cry of pleasure he emitted profusely. When we had rested some little time, I went to a recess and took from it a delicious cordial, of which we both partook freely. It had the effect of completely restoring our energies. We commenced our touchings and titillations, and were soon in a glorious state of desire again. Kate, said Ralph, I am going to give you a glorious embracing, and if I don't make you spend as you have never spent before, I shall be very much deceived. I intend to treat your delicious little con to a delicate morsel. Now, Kate, on your back, open your thighs, and let me engulf my staff in your salacious slit. I laughed heartily and threw myself on my back. He was on the top of me in a moment, and in another second his pego was embedded in my con. It touched me to the quick, and I experienced intense pleasure. Ralph, while he was working his instrument in me, sucked my breasts and played with my belly, and just when I was about to spend, he placed his hand on the top of my slit and rubbed my clitoris. This finished the business, and with a cry of joy I again discharged, he at the same time pouring down his share of the nectar of Venus. This last bout appeared to arouse my amorous desires instead of quenching them, and I exclaimed in a frenzy, "'Ralph, will you do a favor for me? You know that flagellation increases amorous pleasures.' I want you to birch me on my bottom while I make myself come with a dildo. Get me a rod, dear Kate. I should like nothing better than to birch your naked buttocks. I went to a cupboard and procured from it a birch and a dildo. The former I handed to him. I then placed myself on my hands and knees on the sofa, thus elevating my bottom in the air. I then brought the dildo to bear on my coral sheath. It entered the lips, and in another moment it was plunged to the very hilt into my vagina. He placed himself behind me and began to lay the birch gently on my bottom. The skin turned a rosy hue, and I twisted and wriggled under this delectable excitement. I moved the dildo gently in and out of my con. "'Harder! Flog my bottom harder!' I exclaimed. He obeyed by letting fall a shower of stripes on my buttocks. The motion of the dildo in and out of my coral slit grew faster. I wiggled my buttocks. I am coming. My bubbies trembled. I was now working for my very life. The instrument moved in and out of my lustful sheath so quickly that its motion was no longer perceptible. Ralph, I spend, I die glorious, delicious, duh, duh. 
A convulsive shudder ran through my frame, the motion of my hand suddenly stopped, leaving the dildo still embedded in my con, and I fell flat on my belly without any sign of life. I was recalled to life again by the energetic thrusts of Ralph's instrument. Foreseeing my delirium, he could not restrain himself any longer but felt that he must share it. Before we separated we enjoyed each other several times more. The next day he returned to New York, and I saw him no more. I was now left entirely alone, but I was very busy, for the house was full of workmen embellishing the house and grounds. I have but a few more words to add. In due time all the improvements to the house were finished, and I began to feel very lonely. One winter's evening, just as I was about to retire to bed, I was startled by the ringing of the front doorbell, and almost immediately afterwards I was clasped in my cousin Harry Duval's arms. He had just returned from abroad. I shall draw a veil over the pleasures of that night, sufficient to say that Harry had become more dear to me than ever, and I paled before him in the art of giving sexual delight. The next week we were married, and since that time we have settled down into a quiet life. Neither Harry nor myself desire any change, and our existence has been fraught with every blessing. The confidence between us is so great that I have not hesitated to tell him my history. He has reposed the same confidence in me by telling me his, and some day I may perhaps give it to the reader. And now, dear reader, my task is done. I bid you an affectionate farewell. End of Volume 2, Chapter 4 End of The Life and Amours of the Beautiful, Gay, and Dashing Kate Percival, The Belle of the Delaware, Written by Herself